My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother and his mother's sister, Mary of Cleophas and Mary Magdalene. And Jesus therefore had seen his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved. He said to his mother, woman, behold your son. After that, he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own. <clears throat> we find Our Lady standing beside the cross. She's not sitting down, she's not kneeling up against the cross. She's not wishing that she was somewhere else. She's accepting the will of God in this particular moment with all its pain and sorrow. She's full of strength beside the cross with the other women. The men, except for St. John, have all run away and our Lord chooses this moment to give us his mother as our mother. There were many other more maternal moments in his life when he could have done this. He could have opened his eyes in Bethlehem and said, behold your mother, or at some moment in Nazareth or in Egypt, or when he worked some great miracle. But he's chosen to wait until the moment of the cross. As though telling us that even in the moments of the cross, our mother is there for us. She's somebody who's always looking out for us. And what is a mother? I was watching a five-year-old kid one time in the school where I used to work in Manila, <coughs> playing with his basketball. And then his seven-year-old sister came along and took away his basketball. And he went wailing to his mum, who was standing a few meters away, chatting to a friend of hers. And I was a further distance away, observing how this very experienced mother was going to handle this situation. The child was the youngest of eight, maybe a little spoiled, and he was making far more noise than the situation warranted. And the mother, without interrupting her conversation with her friend, she whipped out a handkerchief from up her sleeve. And without even looking at the child, she wiped his nose. She seemed to know by instinct where it was. And observing this from a distance, I was rather interested because it was his eyes that were streaming, but she wiped his nose. I learned from this that mothers are people who know what to wipe. And then she turned him around, patted him on the back, low down, and sent him off about his business. And he was quiet. I had thought he wanted justice from his big sister. But it turned out he just wanted a little bit of attention and affection from his mother. And so that's what mothers are for. And that's what our Lord means when he gives us his mother someone we can always turn to in all the moments of our day. <clears throat> Little crisis moments or anxiety moments or tired moments, 
Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to your protection, implored your help or sought your intercession was left unaided. Woman, behold your child, look at your child. Look at your child and never stop looking at your child. And so Our Lady is always looking at us 24 seven. Many years ago, there was a, a couple that came from China to live in the Philippines. And like many Chinese couples, they found that their Chinese name was difficult for English speaking countries. And so they looked up the dictionary and they found one of the shortest words in the English language was the word sin. So they became Mr. and Mrs. Sin. And Mr. and Mrs. Sin had 14 children. And then God had a sense of humor and he called one of them to be a priest. And so he became Father James Sin. And then the divine sense of humor didn't end there because he was elevated to the order of the episcopacy. And at the end of the ceremony where he was ordained a bishop, <clears throat> he stood up to address the congregation and said, brothers and sisters, for the first time in the history of the church, sin has been glorified. Well, he eventually became the Cardinal Archbishop of Manila. Because of his name, he became a household name around the world. And he got great mileage out of his name. It is said that when he was welcoming people to his house, he would say, welcome to the house of sin. When he went to the conclave that elected Pope John Paul II, he was the most prominent Asian cardinal. And many journalists asked him if he thought that he might be elected Pope. And his answer was, do you really think that the cardinals would elect somebody with my name? Well, when he was about 63, he developed chickenpox, which is a normal childhood illness, but when you get it when you're older, it's a bit more difficult. He was somebody who liked to be in the public eye. He used to crisscross Manila a few times a day, visiting different parishes. It was said that his secretary once asked him not to have any more than eight public appearances in any one day. Well, when he got the chickenpox, he had to retire from all of this. And he spent three months in convalescence until he was fully better. And he made a reappearance at the Chrism Mass on Holy Thursday. And there were about four or 500 priests at the Mass. I was there and he stood up to give the homily. And he talked about his experience of his chickenpox. And he said, I, when I got the chickenpox, when I first looked in the mirror, and I saw all the pock marks on my face. And my first thought was a thought of vanity. How ugly you've become. And he said, that reminded me of something that happened when I was a small kid. I was the seventh of 14 children. But my mother was always more attentive to me than she was to all the other children. She always asked, well, did I have enough to eat? Did I have enough clothes? Did I sleep well? And I couldn't quite understand this. And so one day I asked the household manager, why does mama love me more than all the others? And he said, this lady looked me straight in the face and said, it's because you are so ugly.
And he said, I learned from this, that mothers love their ugliest children most. And he said, from this, I understood why Our Lady loves us. Because when we get ugly through sin, she doesn't stop looking at us. She keeps looking at us. And with her gaze, she wins the grace of conversion for us, wins us back into the state of grace, makes us more beautiful in the eyes of God, so that ugliness doesn't last. And so when our Lord says, look at your child, she takes that very seriously. And so we can know that we're always in the presence of our mother. And that's why it can be good to have little images of Our Lady around the house or in the office or where we work, so that from time to time we can glance at them, live in the presence of our mother, so that she's never far away, like little children like always to be in the presence of their mother. And the smaller they are, well, the more they like it. Unless you become like little children, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And so Lord, help us to become smaller in this way. And to appreciate all the aspects of our mother. Many years ago in the early 70s, there were a few bombs that went off in Dublin one night. A number of people were killed. And an inner city parish priest told me how an elderly lady came to see him late that night to say that her son was missing. And so they went to visit the three hospitals that were serving the inner city area. But there was a lot of chaos in each of these hospitals. They went from one to the other, but there was no sign of their son. And the only thing they could do when they finished the third hospital was to go back and start again. And by that time, a little bit of order had been imposed. The injured or the dying had been annotated. But they found that he wasn't in the first hospital. And when they went to the second hospital, they found him. He was there. And he was alive. And this priest described the mother, the joy of the mother, at finding her son alive. And this priest was saying, you know, if the human joy of a mother in this world in finding her son alive can be so great, imagine what the joy of Our Lady must have been on Easter Sunday morning. And that's why the church sings Queen of Heaven Rejoice, Alleluia, with the Regina Chaley. Well, all throughout our life, we can share in the joy of Mary the joy of her vocation. The Angelus is our favorite prayer. The Hail Mary reminds her of her vocation. That she's the most beautiful woman in the world. She's full of grace. The Lord is with her. She's blessed among women. The poem of the Magnificat is one of the most beautiful poems in the Bible. My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Saviour. We are called to rejoice very much with Our Lady and thank her for all the little things of each day. There are many versions of the morning offering. 
that mention the name Mary. Very good to try and pray the morning offering with your children. Or occasionally to say other prayers with them so that just by hearing those prayers, little by little, they, they come to know them without how much having to make any effort. We had a teacher in Standard 2 who used to say the Memorari prayer at the start of classes every morning. I'd never heard that prayer before. And I didn't hear it again for the next 10 years until I came in contact with Opus Dei. And my family was a very good Catholic family, but we just didn't say that prayer. But by dint of that teacher saying that prayer every morning for a whole school year, I still remembered it and more or less knew it off by heart. And so all these prayers are good things to say aloud so that your children hear them and learn them. Little by little, they come to know the beauty of Mary. My father told me once how he and his wife would say the rosary every night and their four-year-old daughter would join them for the first three Hail Marys. And then she would wander off to play with their dolls. But he said she always comes back for the litany because she loves to say, pray for us, pray for us, pray for us, pray for us. Well, all those different invocations that we say to Our Lady in the litany, those different titles, royal titles, must have been something that touched the heart and soul of that little girl a little bit. And so she got attracted to the rosary through that. You can teach our children to ask Our Lady for little favours when they're doing their homework, when they're going shopping, when they have to do some message, so that they bring Our Lady into all the little things of their life. In the Hail Holy Queen, we talk about her as being our sweetness and our hope. When we do things with Our Lady, bring her into our life, in our day, well, things become sweet. And so it's very good if we turn our gaze to her from time to time, offer her this little moment, this new beginning, or thank her for the little joys of this particular day, or some little piece of good news, or place at her feet all the little petitions we may have. Everywhere that Our Lady has appeared in the last 200 years, she has asked people to pray her rosary. We can be very clear on the power of the rosary. There was a lady in Nigeria many years ago who had a good friend who had a, an operation. And this lady offered to drive the lady home after her operation, or days in the hospital. And on the way home, this lady, who was not a Catholic, asked if they could pass by the witch doctor because she just wanted to make sure that everything was done okay, use all the means. Well, the Catholic lady wasn't very comfortable if she'd never been to a witch doctor before, but she had promised to drive this lady home and she felt she had to fulfill her promise. So she drove her to the witch doctor. And then she had never been to a witch doctor, so she was a bit curious to know what, what went on with the witch doctor. So she went inside, accompanying the lady, and the witch doctor was there with small little table and a number of stones and he would shake the stones in his hand and then throw them onto the table and then the idea was that he would read the stones but when he shook the stones and threw them onto the table 
They were supposed to spread out so that he could read them, but they all stayed in one sort of clump in the middle of the table. And he was a bit surprised. He said, well, that's never really happened before. And so he shook them again and the same thing happened. And he shook them a third time and again, the same thing happened. And then he said, there's some power at work here that's greater than my power. Empty your pockets, both of you. And so they emptied their pockets and the Catholic lady out of her pocket, she pulled a rosary beads. And the witch doctor said, that's what's obstructing my power. Now get out of here, both of you, and don't ever come back. So there you had the power, the testimony of the witch doctor about the power of the rosary. The rosary in our day is like a missile. A missile that explodes on contact with the devil. It's a nuclear powerhead. It's a very powerful prayer for us to turn to, to have great confidence in possibly to try and be very generous with our rosaries. We don't have to force our children to pray the rosary, but we do have to give a little bit of example from time to time or encourage them to say a few Hail Marys. We encourage our children to have devotion to Our Lady if we help them to say three Hail Marys at night. I was asking some kids in a school one time, or one particular kid, if he said his night prayers. And very quickly he shot back and said, yes, always. And I was a bit surprised, yes, always. How many kids are there in the world that always say their night prayers? So I was a bit curious because of the confidence with which he answered. And so I asked him, but how come always? How come you can be so sure that you always say your night prayers? And he said, well, my dad gets home from work at eight o'clock every evening. And before he takes his dinner, he comes up to our bedroom with myself and my little brother. And he kneels down and he says our night prayers with us. And so we always say our night prayers. We have dinner before he's home, etc., etc. The father was the president of a bank. He was a very busy man. But the first thing he did on getting home, even before eating, was to pray his night prayers with their children. And so the children got to see the importance of that reality. And so with our example, our children pick up beautiful lessons that can last them the whole of their lives. On special months of the year, it can be customary to make pilgrimages to a shrine of Our Lady in May or in the month of October, which is the month of the Rosary. So that our children also get to know the traditional Marian shrines in our area. They sort of grow up with Marian piety. And if we have a few images around the house and teach them how to pray in front of them from time to time, well, that's also a very good thing that will bring its fruit in due season. Our Lady has a universal mediation in our sanctification. All the graces in the world come through our hands. She's the mediatrix. And so she's always there interceding and obtaining graces for us. We presume that she cooperated fully with the graces that she received. And she obtains graces for us also. The Catechism of the Catholic Church says her role 
in relation to the church and to all humanity goes still further. In a wholly singular way, she cooperated by her obedience, faith, hope, and burning charity in the Saviour's work of restoring supernatural life to souls. For this reason, she's a mother to us in the order of grace. Mary speaks to us about warmth and security. That's why her name goes straight to our heart. Our relationship with our own mother may show us how to deal with this lady of the sweet name. And also to see how we can spread Marian devotions and piety more. Because our Lord also said, behold your mother. Look at your mother. And never stop looking at your mother. Look at her all the time. Because you need to be looking at her to learn things from her. The Catechism of the Catholic Church says that Mary is the model of all the virtues. If there's some virtue that we want to learn more about or put into practice, well, Our Lady is the obvious model to, to look to. We can try and love Our Lady with the same heart with which we love our, our parents. One of the ways to introduce that spirit in our family can be to celebrate in some way the feast days of Our Lady, to talk about them, so that our children grow to know the different optical angles that we have in Our Lady and the stories behind them. If we're very attentive to Mary, well, she will lead us to preoccupy ourselves with all the needs of those people around us. Our Lady's witness in Cana of Galilee is very eloquent. She was there at this country wedding, but she wasn't just rolling up her sleeves and saying, I'm here to have a good time. How much can I eat or drink? She was watching carefully to see that everything went well. She was concerned for her friends. And so she gives us a great example of friendship, how to be a good friend of our friends, to be attentive to the little details, to watch out for things. She shows real concern. And because she sees there's a problem, well, she's ready to move heaven and earth to solve that problem. She goes to her son and she asks him for something that she will never ask him again for the rest of her life, to work a miracle. And she risks being told no, which is really what she heard. Woman, my hour has not yet come. But she knows that God will do something. And so she goes to the servants and says, do whatever he tells you. She doesn't throw a tantrum, doesn't give out to our Lord for that sort of answer, doesn't remind him who's boss around here. She just leaves it in the hands of God, points out where the miracle is needed, and then says, do whatever he tells you. And then she went back to her place and continued with great peace and serenity. All throughout Our Lady's life, we see a great peace and serenity. When she went to visit Elizabeth, we're told she stayed there about three months. She didn't stay the full nine months. 
for six months. She stayed three. And then she left. There are moments when she has to say goodbye. She has to cut short things. There's an end point. In all of these things, we see Our Lady as the handmaid of the Lord. This is our great contribution to the whole enterprise of salvation. Rather than carrying out her own projects, she places herself completely at the disposal of God's initiatives. Wherever you want me to be, whatever you want me to be doing, I'm available, I'm here. John Paul likes to call her the, the woman of hope because she believes in God's promises and awaits the salvation of Israel. She's a woman of faith. Blessed are you for your believing. The Magnificat is like a portrait of her soul. She says beautiful things. He has looked upon the lowliness of his handmaid. Henceforth all nations will call me blessed. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. All of these things are like a, an outpouring of her heart. And so Our Lady is our mother, loves us very much, and is always ready to help us in everything. She also wants our little bit of attention from time to time. The church encourages us to go to her with confidence, to the throne of grace and of mercy, in order to obtain what we need. Jesus gave her to us as a mother. It corresponds to us to talk to her as our child, receive her into our home and into our heart like St. John did. In the Eucharistic prayer number one, we say in union with the whole church, we honor Mary, the ever virgin mother of Jesus Christ, our Lord and God. Our Lady's intercession is different to the intercession of others and of the saints. It has a maternal dimension to it. And so it's very good that we get personal with Our Lady. She sees us with human eyes and a human heart. She responds to the little aspirations that we say to her. Her motherhood is a gift to us, a gift that God makes to every individual she loves each one of us as if we were her only child. Children often take on the family atmosphere created by their mother. They imitate her divine daughtership or sonship. Small gestures of love are never lost in a mother. And so the church encourages us to bring flowers to Our Lady to her images, to her shrines, to her altars. The offering to her of some little flower, of some little rose, or the rose of our self-denial or some other little thing can be very beautiful and very powerful. And so at the end of this retreat, we can place the resolutions that we have made at the feet of Mary and ask her to help those resolutions to be fruitful. 
that help us to make a resolution to do a retreat every year for the rest of our life, to grow in our formation, to take care of our soul and of our spiritual life. And through all of this, to grow in greater awareness of the greatness of the maternity of Mary and how she's ready to pour out her heart and soul and graces on each one of us now and always. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections and inspirations that you have communicated to me during this meditation. I ask your help to put them into practice. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.